0: Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek
1: It's Hey, this is Matt Lesher This is Phil Lamar
2: Hey, this is Robin McHillor A.K.A. The Gotham. You are listening to Geek Vibes Live
0: What's going on, everybody? This is Chris at Geek Vibes Live and Two Side Review. We are at it again this week with another top 10. This week, we're going to be talking about top 10 underrated television shows. And with me, as always, is my geek crew, Ryan and Tia. Ryan's going to be joining us here a little bit later, but right now I have Tia on the line. Tia, how are you?
2: I'm doing great, Chris. How are you?
0: I'm doing phenomenal since you heard everything I just said and responded to me. My heart is now beating, like, once again. <laughs> so I'm glad we did not have a beginning of the show technical glitch. Um, recently, Tia, real quick, you just came back from New York Comic Con, right?
2: Yes, I did.
0: Can you real quickly um, – I'm excited, and I want to know a little bit more about it. I didn't really talk to you before the pre-show – but can you kind of um, just talk about it a little bit? Tell, tell me how it was. I'm, I'm curious. I've never been to a con, and I know that you are really, really excited for it.
2: Oh, you've never been to a con before, Chris? It's amazing. Star Trek. Um,
0: Star Trek. I've been to Star Trek cons as a kid, dressed up in Starfleet uniforms. Oh, yeah, I did that. But I never <laughs> went to, you know, Comic-Con, and I'm dying to go.
2: I'm going to tell you there's nothing like going to Comic-Con. I've been to several uh, Supernatural conventions. I've been to Big Apple Con. And and those are little conventions and they're great for what they are, but New York Comic Con is just such an experience in on itself. I went two days this year, which I normally only go one, and I I swear I still feel like I didn't see enough. You never feel like you see enough. It is absolutely an amazing experience. Um, It's just if you have ever the chance to go to New York Comic Con, definitely do so. Be just—I gotta give a huge shout out to anyone who cosplays because what I saw this year really tops what I've seen in previous years. People just put everything on the line to make these amazing costumes, and they just look great. I just had such a great time seeing everyone putting their best foot forward.
0: Awesome. Did you see any Joker? New Joker? um, cosplay at all while you're there. I don't,
2: I only saw one, Chris. I was very surprised. And I actually saw him very early on, on Saturday. And I had to stop him in the middle of a pretty busy aisle, which I usually make a rule not to stop people when it's that busy because everyone wants to walk by, but I just had to stop him and say, Hey, can I take a picture of you? It is so awesome. He did a really good job. Um, didn't catch his name or anything like that, unfortunately, but he did a really phenomenal job with the Joaquin Phoenix Joker.
0: Awesome. Well, it sounded like you had a lot of fun. I saw some of the pictures. I was all over Twitter with it, and I was having a hectic time trying to keep up with it. Like, honestly, I told myself, screw it. I'm being notified every 30 seconds, and I just couldn't keep up with it. And I was a little. And I was a little upset because I couldn't, but I wanted to, and I just was really excited for for everyone involved, for especially for you because you were really excited. You wanted to go super super bad and see a, a couple of those um, events that they had there, but also for Geek Vibes for the kind of coverage that we had there. And you know, we're secretly trying to get us all together at maybe San Diego Comic Con next year, um, and that would be amazing. that would be so much fun. I would love to do a live show, like a top 10 in the hotel in San Diego while we're all at the con. I think that would be awesome. What do you think about that, Tia?
2: That would be a dream come true. I've never been to San Diego Comic-Con. I've wanted to go for several years. And if that ever actually came to fruition, that would just be the best time, I feel like.
0: Oh, I do too. Getting all of us. I mean, there's like almost,
2: woo, po-po in the house.
0: I want to give a quick shout-out to all the firefighters and police officers who serve our country. They do a phenomenal job of keeping us safe. Anyway, we're here to talk about top 10 underrated television shows. So, Tia, without any further ado, can you give us number 10?
2: So, number 10 on my pick of top 10 underrated TV shows is a show called Revenge. Revenge. Uh, ended a few years ago. It was on ABC. Have you ever heard of uh, Revenge?
0: Uh, I think I glanced at it. I have not seen the show. I think I saw it through a skew of some kind, but uh, I don't know very much about it, so I'm very interested to see what uh, you have to say.
2: Okay, so the main character was Emily Van Camp, who, if anyone knows, plays Sharon Carter in the MCU. Um, and uh, she... So the So the main plot of Revenge is you have this girl who, and the girl's name was Amanda, and through this whole scheme, her father is wrongfully convicted of a massive crime, gets sent away to prison. Even she as a child believes that the father has committed this crime. Eventually the father is killed in a prison fight. And then one, and she herself has had a troubled past as a result, now jumping from the system to system. Um, When she gets out, a friend of the father's reveals this whole thing that it was all set up by these really powerful, rich people in the Hampton, that whole rich cliff type thing. So through – the unlimited resources of now her inheritance that she has and the friends' technical skills. She switches uh, names and lives pretty much with this other girl that she became friends with to infiltrate the Hamptons. So under a new name and now that she's much, much older, no one knows that, oh, this is Amanda, everyone thinks she's Emily. And throughout the four seasons, it's her massive plot to take down every single person who had a part of sending her father to prison and framing him in the first place. And it is dramatic. There are turns, uh, seeing how she is keeping up this ruse. At one point, she even starts dating the son of the woman who like the big woman who she's trying to take down. And then you see her behind the scenes and how much she really can't stand any of these people. And, um, as secrets are finally being revealed to those who are closest in her life, and just how everything goes. It's just this really crazy, just drama series. And I loved every second of it. I thought it was really um, underrated, only lasted four seasons. And I have to tell you, I feel like that show could have lasted a few more. They cut everything. The point is, when it was in its fourth season, it we weren't sure if it was getting renewed or not. Um, I know that the creators filmed the last episode to be something that if they could continue, they could do it. But if that was going to be the end, then at least it was going to be an end that was going to satisfy viewers. And then eventually like three episodes before the finale was when the network revealed that they weren't going to renew the show. Um I watched the show a lot with my mom. That was like our tradition. And it was just a really fantastic show that came with these big, big plot twists at every turn. It was just, it was fantastic. I loved Revenge.
0: Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was Glenn close at all in this series? Or am I thinking of something else?
2: She was not. I'm sorry. She would have been in a fantastic addition. Okay. (laughs)
0: All right. Okay, I was thinking about something else, but like as you were going over that and kind of describing it, I was um, kind of interested in why I haven't, you know, that why I didn't even attempt to watch it because it sounds really interesting, and it only made it only lasted four seasons. What um, what network aired that show? ABC. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was an ABC drama. Came on a night kind of a thing.
2: Yeah. Now I can't remember if it was either. I think it was Sunday night. It uh, it was on. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that it's Sunday night.
0: Hmm, interesting. Well, I'm definitely going to have to go check that out because I just finished watching a show, so I'm in the hunt for a new one, which is kind of why this topic is kind of cool for me because <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for something to get my hands on. I can binge watch while I'm on uh, fall break here from teaching, but... All right, so Revenge is at number 10, and it seems pretty cool, actually. So I'm definitely going to make a side note to that while I write this down. But I'm going to check out – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably check out all of, your, all of your picks, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very picky. I'm very picky when it comes to binge watching. And when I do, like, I, I get really upset. Like, you kind of get off topic, but it's not really off topic. But, like, when it's one season of something and it's really, really good, it irritates me. Like, I kind of let shows kind of develop over years and not watch them and let them go just to see them build up more seasons. So when I go to binge, I can get, like, you know, my full hunger on and not have to crave for the next season or wondering if there is going to be a next season. So I try to pick shows that I can have multiple seasons and I can get really big story arcs. Because a lot of the time, the format's the same. You watch these shows, you're going to go through these minor character developments, and you know they're going to leave you on the cliffhanger, right, for the next season. And I don't like that. Cliffhangers can make me have stomach ulcers. So so I like <laughs> to get it all out of the way. And even if it's older, like, I just recently finished watching The Wire. And I know that's been out for fucking ever. And people are like, you got to watch The Wire, you got to watch The Wire. And I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. I let it go. And then I was super disappointed when there, were, you know, when there was only five seasons. I think there was only five seasons. Um, because it was just a freaking awesome show. Like, I was hooked on it. Hook, line, and sinker. But anyway... So getting back to our number ten pick, revenge. I, that looks kind of interesting, and I I, I love um, some of the actors that you as you said were in the show. So I'm definitely gonna go check that out. For sure. Awesome. Okay, my number nine. My number nine pick, and I'm gonna allow streaming services like television shows is just like a, a saying. But this this goes over all the Hulu, Amazon Prime, Netflix, anybody who has a television show that streams or whatever they call those shows now. I don't know, but those are. I'm going to say they're allowed on the list, but my number nine pick is Peaky Blinders. I don't know oh if you're familiar with Oh, Pe- my
2: God. That was on my list.
0: <laughs> That's awesome because you're the third person who I've ever met to talk about this who knows what the hell I'm talking about. My other friend is actually in Europe, and he doesn't count. So... You know, everyone else, all my American friends are like, Peaky Blinders, what the heck is that? I'm like, you just got to watch it. It's so hard to explain Peaky Blinders, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, and I haven't watched – they've been on hiatus for a while. It's been like two years, I think, maybe a year, a little over a year since um, season three wrapped. I believe it was season 3 We're waiting on season four. And I know it's coming back. I know Peaky Blinders is coming back. I uh, just don't know exactly when. But the reason why – it, it takes so long is because this is a star-studded cast, guys. Like you really have to appreciate the talent that goes into this television show. There is just something about the way that British dramas kind of hit me for some reason, but Peaky Blinders fall is right after the, the, the end of World War I and uh, a young group of um, Birmingham, Birminghamites, I don't know what they call them, but people from Birmingham, right, small family, and they're trying to make their way in the world. And, you know, they're, they have a gang. They're called the Peaky Blinders because they keep razor blades at the top bills of their hats. So when they get in fights, they just, you know, whack people with the razor blades and blind them is why they call themselves the Peaky Blinders. But um, they, they get into the gambling and alcohol. And, you know, basically it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a story of someone making, making their way from, like, the ground up and, and making an empire for themselves. And all the drama that surrounds this family is just it's, it's insane, but it's also well acted. The, the, the sets are amazing. It's a, it's set in a period. I love period pieces, by the way, I'm a big sucker for it. It's got a, you know, a Killian Murphy is the lead, uh, in it and everyone else, I don't have it right in front of me, but everyone else just does a phenomenal job of like, just bringing back the authenticity, but also giving you a little bit of history and a little bit of violence. And they just do a great job of editing. The sound is really good. The music hits, hits home. It's like watching a mini movie uh, for me. I love it. And it's underrated only because I think it's not very unpopular. It's got great reviews all the way around. But I don't think the mainstream viewers have really sunk their teeth into it. And I personally can go on about Peaky Blinders. But I know, Tia, that you've seen Peaky Blinders or it's on your list. So how do you feel about Peaky Blinders? Do you think it's underrated?
2: Oh, it's extremely underrated. I, as you said, know maybe two other people, and of those two people are my parents who I put them onto it because I was like, you have to watch the show, and they love it. Um, I, To me, Killian Murphy is one of the most talented actors, and if we ever had a show where we talked about the most underrated actors, he would definitely be on it. Oh, we I don't will? Yes. Yeah. I don't think he's on enough people's radars, but his performance, and as you said, from the visuals, I love the the industrial feel to it, the smog, um, the fact that it explores the Romani type of culture behind um, the family,
0: gypsy culture uh, as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and just everything about it is just so good. I love the music that's involved in it. Um, um, I, I don't know. Have you seen the fourth season? Because there was a fourth season that had Adrian Brody in it, and I swear I've never seen him. Oh, before.
0: yes. Okay, so it's not season three we're waiting for. I mean, it's not season right. four. So there was a season. I did see Adrian Brody because he was member because he, he, he was awesome. I totally forgot. You remember, just. Flooded me because he was like attached to Al Capone,
1: mm-hmm. Alfonso oh, Capone is what they called. Oh, so you you end? guys like
0: really need to watch oh, yeah. this because yeah, the end. Oh my God, how is this film under? How is this underrated? It's it's, it's it's awesome. I got another freaking British show on my list, but you're right. I forgot about that. Like he does. I mean, Adrian Brody. I think he's a hit or miss kind of actor for me. I he he sometimes yeah. he does phenomenal jobs, but When they put him in as the Predator, when it not the Predator, but Predators, when they put him in that role as a tough guy, I was like, no, no way. Um, I don't believe you, Adrian Brody. (laughs) But anyway, as this (laughs) character, though, oh, shit. I totally believe him. And what they were trying to do, all that, and you're right, everything you said to you, I think that, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm excited for the next season to come. But definitely I feel like this is a very underrated um, show. Would you agree?
2: I would completely agree, and you know, before we, like, because I could talk about Peaky Blinders all day as well, before we skip over, I think um, one is to me, again, love Killian Murphy, love Tom Hardy, love all of them, I think one of my favorite actors, though, on the show is the guy who plays Arthur, I am so totally invested in his oh, yeah. story in every single season, he plays. It's just so good, so complex. I, I love every second that he's on screen.
0: Yes, I forget the actor's name, but he's been in a lot of stuff. I do too. Um, <laughs> uh, he's he, You're right. Arthur's character is other than Killian Murphy's character goes through the most arcs. I, mm-hmm. you know, you you have to understand like these guys. Um, to give a little context, these brothers in World War One were responsible for digging tunnels. And that was one of the most dangerous jobs you could do in the military at the time. And it was, you had to have nerves of freaking steel. You had to have, you know, um, like you just had to be just this built different type of person to do something like that. And it really plays on their mind. So they got this undertone through the whole show of like them being kind of shell shocked because of what, you know, the, the atrocities of the Great War. And he, Arthur, doesn't handle it. That well but at times you're like fuck Arthur you're such a fucking screw up and then you're like God I'm I'm so grateful Arthur is on our side because he's that batshit crazy but then on the other side he loves really hardcore just as much as he drinks and does all the other shit you're right he does have a great dynamic the actors phenomenal.
2: It's just so good. I could keep going on about him, and it's like again, oh, I know yeah. <laughs> that the show. I know that the show focuses on Killian Murphy, who is great in that role. Um, but just, I have Thomas to give it yeah. up Thomas Shelby. I think is is Arthur's actor's name, Paul Anderson. I want to say I'm probably getting that completely Ooh, that, wrong.
0: Um, that sounds that sounds about right. Oh um, man fill the time so I can look it up and people don't... This this series started in 2013, believe it or not. Um, wow.
2: Well... It's, yeah, it's Paul Anderson.
0: Know. Paul Anderson, Thomas Shelby. Tom Hardy, yeah. you got um, Ellen McQuarrie and Sophie um, Rudell. In the mix, and Joe yeah. Cole plays the youngest Shelby. Uh, it's kind oh, of yeah, like a wild and card.
2: Co- and his cousin is the guy who plays um, Michael. You know they're related. Yeah. Oh my God! For I'm real, sorry. they're bro- they're brothers in real life. I apologize. I believe. They're oh, well, that would make a lot they're of sense. Cold. Yeah.
0: And in the first season, we also get Sam Neill, who plays like an Irish, you know, detective kind of guy. Oh. Uh, kind of trying to break you? up. So, yeah, go ahead.
2: I'm sorry. I didn't know he. I, this is my ignorance in on it. I didn't know that actor was Irish until I watched the show. I was like, "Hey, that's that guy from Jurassic Park. He sounds different now." <laughs> he uh,
0: is he Irish or I thought he was freaking Australian. I could be wrong. Oh. I don't know. Now we're messing everything up. <laughs> now we're totally getting off. The, we're getting down a rabbit hole. Nevertheless, oh, Sam Neill is a great actor. If you've seen Hunt for the Wilder People, oh geez, Sam Neill rocks that. It's really great. That's a really good show. Taika Waititi directed that film. It's very funny. Uh so definitely check that out. But like, okay, we could talk about this forever, Tia, but I think you come <laughs> I think you're coming back at us with number eight.
2: Yes, Your I do apologize for yeah. that. Um No 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 so, no, my, that's what this is about. <laughs> <Just> talking. Uh, <laughs> my number my number eight pick is going to be um the killing. Um which Ooh. I I don't hear enough people talk about. It's actually really unfortunate because the four seasons were recently pulled from Netflix, which really sucks because the fourth season season was actually produced by Netflix. The show had its three-season shit. I forget which network it was on, but it originally was on network television. And then the fourth season was picked up by netflix to kind of end everything and netflix recently took all four seasons down which i don't understand which so that's especially why it made this list because that's just how underrated it is so have you seen the killing ever
0: um no in fact i mean that's as we were talking before earlier i was Trying to figure out what I wanted to watch. That's on my personal list to check out. So I'm glad you brought it up because I'm interested to see your thoughts on it.
2: I think the killing is fantastic. Um, it's starring Joel Kennenan and Muriel Enos, and both of them mm-hmm. play detect both of them play detectives. And if you can pick two characters who are so opposite of each other, that's what they are. Joel Kennenan plays this. Uh, laid-back, easy cop who just came out of the narcotics unit, and uh, Miss Enos plays this uh, very guarded uh, detective who, when you first meet her, she's supposed to be retiring. She's going to leave the force and start a new life, and then for the first two seasons, completely focus on the killing of this young girl, and they have to solve it. And it's just the, every, what, what the killing does is any cliche or trope that you have experienced in crime shows, they do the opposite. Just when you're watching it and you're like, okay, I can predict where this is going to go. I've seen enough episodes of Law & Order, Criminal Minds, CSI. I've seen all of that. I know exactly where they're going. And they don't. They go the exact opposite direction. Um, I love and, that, by the way. And the person who you find out in the end who killed this girl is not who you would all expect. And you're like, wow, I just went through this. And it's not in that sense where you're like, oh, I just went through this roller coaster ride and it was this person all along. It's like, oh my God, I, I went through this roller coaster ride. I can't believe it's this person. I, my heart's ripped out right now. So that's what the first two seasons are about. And the third season I have to mention because it's my, actually my favorite season. Um, it has Peter Sarsgaard in it, and who I think has given the no best performance of it. Oh, he plays, That's an awesome. inmate on, he plays an inmate on Death Road, Ray Seward, who it's just the amount of emotion that he takes you through the episodes and where it takes you, because again, that's what the killing does. You think it's going to go in one direction, but it goes in a complete opposite direction. And his story is so powerful and so tragic. Um, it, it was just so amazing. So the third season was just really good. The fourth season, I will admit, the fourth season wasn't my favorite. Um, the end, like the end episode, had a lot better aspects to it than the entire season. But it was only, I think, about six episodes anyway. Um, it was interesting to see the dynamics since it was on Netflix and all the characters could now curse and say fuck as opposed to the prior three seasons when they were on network cable and had to keep it, like, down to bitch and shit. To me, I just thought that was funny, just to know the like, difference. <laughs> um, but That's I think the show is incredibly underrated. Joel Kinneman and Marielle Enos had such an amazing... Um, chemistry between them working together they didn't always get along like the characters didn't always get along and that was great to see that um and actually the two of them are working together again for an amazon prime show um that now for some reason i can't even remember (laughs) but they're working together again which is really fun but anyway the killing such a fantastic show. I'm so mad that Netflix decided to pull it. I don't know where you can find it. Probably on Amazon, Google Play, whatever. It's, it's worth it. It's worth checking out. Um, I've told people about it and they've been hooked. Anyone who I've ever told them, hey, go watch this.
0: Well, damn, you sold me.
2: <laughs> I'm definitely
0: going to check it. And just so you know, I'm a pirate of the internet. I will find it and I will watch it and I will love it. I'll figure it out a way like, to find it.
2: It sounds <laughs> like you're a big Peter Star Star fan from your reaction. I was just going to. Yes, be, I love him to death and
0: I don't know why other people don't see this. <laughs> but um, <laughs> while you brought him up, because I just recently saw Venom, all right? And I was fucking disappointed. And I oh, no. as a kid, I really liked I really like Venom. I, I was disappointed. I think my expectations were super high, too high, and I should have known better. But anyway, that's for another fucking topic. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about, because I love Quetus Cassidy, the Carnage character. I loved him as a kid. I loved Venom and Carnage, and Spider-Man was, like, secretly my, one of my favorite. I'm a big Batman fan, but Spider-Man just rang true to me. I always loved the Spider-Verse. And I always thought that Peter Skarsgård, did I say his name right? Okay, I hope I did. Bill, Bill Skart. Wait, which one are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> which, which, what, uh, okay, which
2: just to not, just not, just to not confuse uh, listeners. Peter Skarsgard yeah. is not related to the Skarsgards.
0: Okay, he's not related.
2: Okay, no, it's good to Skars, know. But I'm the Skarsgards yeah. are from Sweden. Skarsgard is from America. <laughs>
0: Okay. And the, and if I correct me if I'm wrong, this is the, the older gentleman we're talking about, right?
2: Oh. Um, I mean he's kind okay, Peter Sarsgaard. Oh man, Have he's I not now the, He's him? not the guy he's not the guy who plays Pennywise. Right? No, that that's Bill Sarsgaard. He's also a fantastic okay. actor.
0: Right, okay. So I'm on the right track. Okay, so I okay, Cletus Cassidy. I was wrong. I want, the, I want the guy who plays Pennywise in the new It to be Cletus Cassidy, a.k.a. Carnage, in the Carnage film. I just feel like he can pull it off a whole lot more. But since we're not even talking about the same guy, I do know who you're talking about in your show. I do like him a lot. He's a great actor. So my reaction is still the same, but off topic, I want the other guy to play Carnage that has nothing to do with what we're talking about.
2: Well, so far, now that that's it was an amazing, yeah, yes, yes.
0: So now that we just confused everybody and they went to go watch something else, um, the kill,
1: <laughs>
0: um, so the killing. Is there anything else you want to say, real quick? So we got that at number eight. Anything else you want to add about the killing?
2: Um, I mean, again, it, it's again like the first two seasons are definitely a slow burn. Okay, that sounds wrong. Every episode has something intense in it, but you literally don't find out who actually killed this girl until the very last episode of season two. So if you're the type of person who needs answers now, you're not going to get answers now. You're just going to have to sit back and wait. Um, And so that's all the rest I could say about the killing. Anyone who... Because I know that people are, like, mixed on Joel Kinnaman. If they watch the killing, he's just so amazing. As, I don't understand as that why character. people are, are.
0: I don't know why they're why they're mixed on him. I don't really get it. But yeah, I'm right people there with you. People hate on
2: him. People hate on him, and I I think he's phenomenal. I love watching him. Um, I think he does his best. I think that he puts in one hundred and ten percent. Maybe the content isn't always good, but you gotta do well, what you gotta do. That's not the actor's Exactly. Right.
0: Yeah, that's not the actor's fault. You can't really credit them. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm definitely gonna check out The Killing. I, I'm gonna say that uh-huh. for every single pick. I feel. I just feel like me and you have like this. I want to say it's a connection, but I feel like me and you appreciate <laughs> talent and and art. You know, I think that me and you like everything you suggested. It's like I like what you said about The Killing not telling you anything. I, I love shows that do that right. That do it right keep you engaged, but don't tell you things. Mm -hmm. That's great storytelling. That's what great storytelling is. And a lot of people think, Oh, I'll just throw in a twist here and don't tell you anything and be vague. But then you just give us vanilla, you know, drama filling in. And it doesn't, it doesn't make those oh hold and wait moments even more special. So I can tolerate not knowing. And I'm, I'm a little bit of a guy like, Oh, tell me now. But I also feel like if you're going to do it right, then I'll I'll sit back and wait for the big reveal. So I'm definitely going to check out The Killing. So we got The Killing at number eight. Real quick, guys, if you're just joining us, we're going over the um, top ten underrated uh, television shows. Our top ten, not the top ten, because that would be just ridiculous. (laughs) So it's our top ten underrated television shows. At number ten, we have Revenge. At number nine, we have Peaky Blinders, which I feel like should be a little higher, and maybe it could go, but... Like I said, I just wanted to say it and talk about it real quick. And number eight (laughs) is The Killing, which we just got finished talking about. And I think we're coming back at me, I believe, right, Mm -hmm. for number seven. And let me Mm -hmm. just pull up my notes. Uh, Number seven, I'm going with um, Netflix, uh, The O.A. Whoa, is that a parrot? Uh,
2: No, that's my cat, Just. (laughs) Whoa. <laughs> okay. I, I,
0: I was thrown off a little bit i was like what i said the oa and all i heard was Rah! I'm like oh you don't like that show well let me tell you why you should go back and rewatch it um all right so netflix is the oa i don't want to tell you what oa stands for because you have to fucking watch it and i mean to cuss because i'm i I've been so in love with this movie and everyone who knows movie, this television show, sorry. Everyone who's known me for like at least two or three months knows that I'm talking about it constantly and, and how much I really hated it when I first saw it. Um, but when I went back and rewatched it, I gave myself a, a, a time to reflect and rewatch it. I fell in love with it. Um, it's absolutely original, almost to a T. It does a phenomenal job with with it's acting and its characters uh, I think her name is Britt Marling. I believe, if I'm saying that correctly, is the lead character. Um, it's sprinkled with an ensemble cast of people that are familiar, but I just don't know their names off the top of my head, and I don't feel like pulling it up. Um, but um, Nik- Nikolai Nikolaev is actually plays her distant uncle in the series. So I was really—that's why my interview with him was a little uh, freak out, freaked out, because when I realized it was him, I lost my nerve because I was just super excited and I really got to talk to him about, um, cause he's excited about it too. And if you go back and watch that um, interview I did with him, he, I tried to get him to tell me more about it. And he said he had a conversation with, I um, think uh, uh, his name is Brett, Brit? I can't, I think it's Brett anyway. And about how it's, it's, it's going, it's going bigger than we ever thought. And there's multiple seasons that they're filming at this time. And that it's definitely not going anywhere. So I was really excited to hear that. But uh, how do I explain this without spoiling it for you? And I'm trying my (laughs) best not to. Have you seen, Tia, real quick, have you seen the OA?
2: I have not, but I have heard of it. So I'm actually making a note of this. Okay, I got to go watch this now.
0: Yes. I mean, if I could just, like, stress one thing to you is just check this film out. Film. Jeez, I keep saying film. That's where my brain's (laughs) at. I would love I would love to know your thoughts, but getting into like the the, the structure of it, you you got this. You, she wakes up and she's been gone, and she and she and she can't. She, this this lady, this woman, wakes up, um, and doesn't remember a, a lot of things um, about herself. Can't talk. Can't really see at first. Um, and so slowly over time, you, she gets reunited with her parents. It's this big big thing and you know they think that she's crazy she thinks that she's crazy um these weird events happen around you come come to find out that she was adopted all these little weird things and people start to connect with her and she starts having these dreams and these visions and and starts talking differently and and it she's i'm really trying not to spoil it and then you know other people get involved with her who are from different walks of life A, a teacher um, like a, a jock, um, kind of a meathead kind of guy who's just uh, reckless and rebellious. But they all come. They, she all brings these people together in this kind of like. Because you get this, you get this sense that as the show goes on, that there's an underlining issue here. There's something big going on, but these little pieces are given to you with the, which is great dialogue and, and subtext and, and visual. It, it really lets you breathe and lets you take in the scope of what you're seeing, and as it's a slow burn, so as the episodes go and go and go and go, you start putting the pieces back together from the previous episodes, and, you, and you, when you think it's one thing, it's another, and when you think you got that, it's another, and then all of a sudden by, I think, episode eight, I was like, oh, crap, I know what the DOA stands for, because the whole time I'm thinking, what the hell does it mean? It's not in the damn, <laughs> it's not in any description, it's in nothing, and it's just this film, this film, dang it. This series is just done in such a way that I have never seen anything like it before. And it's, that's, that's why I have a really hard time talking about it and explaining it to ever, anybody else. And the only people that I can really talk about are people who have actually seen it. But no one sees it the way that I see it. They're like, oh, this is boring and stupid. And it doesn't explain shit. And, it's not, and they do. It's just It's done in such a way that you have to take your regular viewing hat and throw it away. And so when you come to find out who she really is and what the hell is going on, it blew me away. It left me just going, what the fudge did I just watch? But in a good way. Like, oh, my God, I want more. Give me more context. The dialogue, the acting is phenomenal. The visuals are great. There's this scene that kind of reminds me of Doctor Strange when he's in the whatever the hell universe he's in, when he's fighting Domamu or whatever the hell that name is. I'm sorry, I don't really know. Doctor (laughs) Strange. But all those visuals, and when you come to find out who she is and what she represents, the OA means something. And it, for me, it, it, it came at the back end, at the end of the, of the series. Um, it's only one season, but it is coming back. So don't fret. It's coming back soon, I hope. But it, it's just, oh, man, it's really nothing that's – it's nothing like I think it's going to be on our lists, And I don't really think it's on it's, – there's another show I can compare it to to kind of throw at you to tell you, oh, it's like this because it's so damn original, and I think that's why I like it so much. So I'm just going to stop talking, because I can just babble on forever, but my number seven pick, Tia, is VOA.
2: That's awesome. Um, You know, it's 2018, right? And at this Mm -hmm. point, pretty much any show is similar to another show, or if you don't think it's similar to a show, then you look up and then you actually see – what show is based on? What book is based on? What this is based on? So, to have right, something and that can some, truly yeah. be original—that's so rare.
0: Exactly. And, and I and I, I just say, I can't I, say. In, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: I was gonna say I, I loved your interview with Nikolaya. So
0: <laughs> did, <laughs> did
2: you really? You so you're the one
0: that liked it? I knew there was somebody. Yeah. Else. I just didn't know who it was. <laughs>
2: oh, I I loved it. So that. Did you see me geek out,
0: fan. though? <laughs> yes, I was. I
2: didn't, I didn't, like, yeah, I, like, listened to your interview with him, and I just thought it was so hilarious because you could hear how excited you were to actually talk with this guy. So, you know, that's awesome. I really hope that the second season comes out soon.
0: Oh, me too. And I hope that maybe I get a chance to um, talk to, to Nikolai again and Um, He plays um, a pretty important role because you come to find out her lineage um, through – like she's adopted, she's Russian, but she's connected to a Russian family. And everything is connected. It doesn't seem like it is. Sometimes you're just watching an episode or two. You're like, what the hell is going on? But then that comes back in the next episode. It's like a hand and a finger. They're all attached to make a fist at the end. And then, oh, my God, the moment when they – there's this – how do I say this? I just want to tell you there's this thing that's going on that they have to master, but they're also being kind of held because people know who they are and they're special, and people are trying to but they don't they, don't, they don't they never say "I'm a bad guy, I'm trying to do bad things it's it, they just implied, and it's not really bad people doing bad things it's people just not knowing how to you know maybe it's like Thanos a little bit. Like, was Thanos really trying to, like, be a mass murderer? Or, or his eyes were just blinded by the fact that the universe is going to die unless I do something about it. And this is the only thing I think I can do to, to save it or to, to learn or whatever. So there's this thing going on, and you learn about her backstory. Um, so it, it has these flashback moments of where she her originality is, origin, where she came from because in the, the beginning of the show, she, she was missing for a long time. She comes back blind. And everyone thinks she's a freak and she's got mental problems, but she's having these flashbacks, her her birth, not birth parents, her adoptive parents are trying to deal with it. She's remembering her Russian heritage and her family lineage and who she really is. And then there's this moment where um, um, something really bad and tense is happening. And when, and when this moment happens, and I hope when you watch this, I hope you had the same reaction, but I, I was like, just in awe, like, it was like all the things that you go through to watch this, all this weight on your shoulder and watching her go through all these things. And then bam, you see who she really is and what she, what she can do and what she does to like help or save this incident that happens. And it just kind of happens out of nowhere. And it's just, and these the people that she brings in are just so at odds with each other, but they all come together for a common goal. There's just so many great things about this, and I'm just ranting. I'm sorry, but I just wish I could really just tell you right now what <laughs> is going on. And uh, I like the fact that I had to figure that out too, guys. Um, I, I hope that um, – well, anyway, so I love the fact that this movie, you really have to kind of put, put pieces together and kind of put it together. But once you do, I hope that you have that same moment of just like – Awesomeness. Anyway, I'm done with talking about the OA, but
1: <laughs> it's a
0: really good show. I cannot recommend it enough. Tia, real quick, we're going to number six, so it's on you. So what do you got?
2: All right, so my number six pick, um, I still feel is underrated, even though it was showcased at New York Comic Con. Because literally the only other person that I know who has watched it is Juwan. Um, besides that, I don't know anyone else who has watched it. Anyone else who I have seen who's watched it, like on the I internet, know what you're say. all all like kind of <laughs> don't get it. Um, so my is are we at six? Is that where we're at right now? Six. Yeah,
0: eight? we're at number six.
2: Yeah. Okay, so my number six pick is American Gods. Um, I love this show, and and I did only recently get into it, so it's not like I. Watched it when it first premiered on Stars. I just recently, within the past few months, watched it. Um, and I love how strange this freaking show is. Um, the I, and have you seen American Gods? Even though I knew that you knew where I was going with this, <laughs> Chris.
0: Sorry, I was muted. I. I was choking and trying not to cough on air. Um, I have, I'm sorry, I have seen the episode, one episode, and I went to come back to American Gods, but I kind of got, like, I got sidetracked and never came back to it. But recently, like, getting to know you, and I I know that you're obsessed with it and that you really like it, I'm definitely going to go back and check it out.
2: Um, Really quick, Chris, this whole time I've been muting my end several times to cough, so I completely understand, Um, but yes, I'm obsessed obsessed with American Gods. I was completely heartbroken that I was not able to go to New York Comic Con on Friday where they had the panel and they had like meet and greet, devastated. Just going to throw that one out there, but so the first episode is completely bonkers and wacky um the whole entire show is but that's what I love about it that it's completely strange first of all the visuals are just bright and stark and I love the um the intro music collage looking thing anyway so for viewers who don't know what American Gods is it's all about pretty much a war raging between the old gods, and that's really, we're talking about anything that you've read in mythology. You have the Norse mythology of oh, Odin. You have... Oh, Odin's huh? in it too? Oh, shit. All the gods, so all the gods, so like Greek and Norse mythology are, are all a part of this series. Um, Chris, you're breaking in and out just a little.
0: Well, I can you hear me now? Is it better?
2: Not really. You're kind of the same.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. What's
2: wrong. All right. I'm going to just keep going. So, yeah, it has, like, Odin in it. It has uh, Egyptian gods, um, Scandinavian gods, old Irish folklore, stuff like that. And so pretty much it's the old gods of the world in america pretty much because and it's really interesting because each episode in the beginning has a story explaining how an old god pretty much found their way to america being brought in by people and their beliefs and that's what has kept them strong and now that people don't really believe in that stuff anymore you see how they're trying to adapt to the new world and so the new gods are really abstract. We have a god of technology, a god of media, a god of globalization, and it's pretty much just this war between them, and in the middle is the main character, Shadow Moon, um, who is pretty much recruited for one side, even though he doesn't fully understand what he's really gotten himself in the middle of, and it's just such an interesting thing because each character is kind of given their own spotlight. So we have... One episode that's completely dedicated to showing how Shadow met his wife Laura, who has um, a pretty prominent role in the in the show. Um, And we have Pablo Schreiber, who I'm a complete fan of, as this leprechaun. Which, if you can imagine, the man's like six foot five, and he plays a leprechaun, Um, and that's just hilarious in on himself. But he actually has. One of the most compelling storylines in the whole series, so that's really fun and interesting, and also sad to watch. Um, and each episode and how it goes, and the and it's only one season right now. The second season's coming out in 2019, and it was definitely left in a complete um, cliffhanger, which now I just want to like watch what the hell happens. Um, it's just this really fantastic show that. Um, Doesn't really take itself too seriously. It, but at the same time, makes some really amazing points of how things are in today's society. Um, Just really pinpoints people's obsessions with such things as media, social media. Um, Just the the way it really kind of focuses on things is really interesting. So. Oh, definitely number six is American Gods for
1: me.
0: Um, can you hear me better now? Is that is that better? I
2: can, yes. <laughs> okay,
0: good, good. I didn't want to interrupt you again. Um, but, okay, so coming back to American Gods, it, it, sounds, it, it, really, it really sounds cool. Like, I'm probably going to watch that as soon as we get off tonight. Um, so you're telling me that the Norse gods and the Greek gods are all – in the, it's it's basically they're in, like, the real world, kind of like the real world, but I guess, like, modern times?
2: They are. Is that, is that in, kind of It's in modern-day America, and that's the thing. If I can't explain it properly, I do apologize about that, but it's literally, you see these manifestations of such gods like Odin because he's the big one that I can really pinpoint, and how the show explains the existence of all these gods without getting too much into like a religious ethics type type of thing is that pretty much people believed and that manifested these beings. Um, and as people travel to the new world, America, they brought in their old beliefs, but now that they don't believe anymore, then you just have these old gods that are just kind of sitting around not really knowing (laughs) what to do with themselves. And Odin That's awesome. That's
0: a great concept.
2: Yeah, and Odin wants to bring back, he wants to get back into people's lives, and he's pretty much recruiting um, all of these older gods to fight against the new gods who, you know, Mr. World is one of the new gods, and he's the god of globalization, and he wants to work with Odin, but Odin pretty much is No, no, no! You are a distraction to the humans. Humans love us. Humans pray to us, and we gave them things in return. All you do is occupy their time. Um, One of the best gods in the show is this god that Orlando Jones plays, um, called Mr. Nancy, who is based on a Guyanese god called Unancy, who is a trickster god essentially. Yeah, I know, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he plays that role fantastic. The whole show is just each episode kind of focuses on a new story, a new God, all this kind of stuff into it, and it's really, it's just, it's not what you expect. It's fun, it's interesting, and when it first starts off, you're kind of like, okay, it's just this collection of stories, but then as it keeps going, you're like, okay, what's really going to happen. I mean, who are you really rooting for? You know, you find yourself like, well, whose side do I really want to be on?
0: Oh, interesting. This sounds, you you have me hooked. I mean, like I'm, I'm a huge history buff and I love a lot of like the Greek mythologies and I love the Norse mythologies. Mm. So, and putting it in a modern setting and the way that you're telling me is that you just, Hit the nerve with me because it sounds really creative. It sounds like somebody really thought about doing something different, and I really like shows like that. And it, it, unfortunately, it's hard for the mainstream audience to digest that stuff sometimes. I just feel like I think this came out on network television, right? If I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah, it's on stars. It's too, it's it's too high
0: was... of a concept. Oh, really? On yeah. stars?
2: No way, really? Yeah. It's on Stars. It was meant to be picked up by HDO, I had read, but for some reason, Stars got it instead. And again, it it brings up some really amazing like prominent um, uh, issues. Like you have the god of media and pretty much just how television sways our opinions in whatever way possible that they want to and how they create panic to pretty much shape um, how people believe and how people act and what they buy and what they subscribe to and that's just really interesting how they do that because you sit there and you're like, oh this this shit could be you know, tinfoil hat, this shit could be really happening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is that is really cool. That sounds like a refreshing show for sure.
2: Hmm. Any yeah, last so thoughts on that real quick? I, yeah. Uh, Good. I You know, I just, again, I really enjoy the show and I, I, I'm i sorry that there's only one season because I have to wait for the second season. And as you said, we like when more than one season is actually already available so that we don't have to sit around here twiddling our thumbs waiting.
0: <laughs> right. You know, we can burn through it like, um, I don't, like, I say toilet paper, but I mean it like if you ever lit toilet paper on fire, it should just go like, boosh. <laughs> And if it's just one season and it's really good like i i i mean I'm just so thankful to have the type of well, family life that I do where I don't get bombarded like I could literally binge watch it, and no one will like i pick my head up and no one will even know I was gone uh, so <laughs> I can really get caught up in stuff if I want to and i and I, it really seems like this one has a lot of promise. I really do hope that they keep it going. I'm definitely gonna check it out it's very unique. It, it has sim- I wouldn't say it has similar themes of VOA, the but it, in, in terms of it being creatively different and people are trying to be different but also relatable and get people connected in a different form, I think that this is one of those shows too. So I'm definitely going to check that one out. American awesome. God sounds pretty cool. Um, let's recap real quick, guys. If you're just now joining us, um, where the hell have you been? Anyway, we're talking about the... Top 10 underrated, te- our top 10 underrated television shows or streaming shows um, this evening. And number 10, we have Revenge. And number 9, we have Peaky Blinders. Number 10 is The Killing. Number 7 is The OA. And number 6 is American Gods, where we just recently just got done talking about. And number 7, I'm going to throw in, and I'm a little on the fence about whether or not this is an underrated film rated yet because it's only it's been out for a year or so um it's on netflix it's called mind hunter i don't know if you're familiar with that tia chris is this number seven
2: or number five no this is number
0: oh my god i just screwed the dang order up great (laughs) good job this would be number five and i put i i wrote down seven that's that's great. No, this is number five, guys. Number six was American Gods. Number seven was OA. Number eight was The Killing. Number nine is Peaky Blinders. Number 10 is Revenge. And number five I picked was Mindhunter. Okay, did I get that straight? Is we, are we cool now?
2: Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. My apologies. Um, <laughs> so this is live, just so everybody knows. Um, anyway, Mindhunter is my number five pick, not number seven. And like I said that before, um, I was on the fence because I really think this is maybe not as underrated as I think it is. Um, a lot of people I've, I work with and some of my friends, a lot of my friends have seen it already. So it's, I don't think it's that underrated, but it's I've, I, I researched multiple lists to kind of garner where I was going to go with mine. And it was on a lot of them. So I guess it's underrated. Anyway, Mindhunter is... Really, really cool. If you're a history buff, if you're a fan of um, – if you're a kind of a dark person, if you like serial killers or if you, like the, if you like the history of where all that shit started, where we started using the term serial killers when the FBI started you know, profiling, basically. Um, you, uh, I'm not familiar with the cast. And you will be – some of the people are very familiar looking, but I don't have the roster right in front of me. Um, But the acting is is really great. It's set in, um, shoot, I want to say it's in the 60s or 70s. I I can't really remember off the top of my head exactly. But it's a period film, uh, period film, sorry, period show. It happened, it's dated. But it it, it circums about this young um, FBI agent who um, starts interviewing like murderers and killers and creating profiles and helping um small town um or small cities or small states uh, solve murders so um it, it it really gives you like and it's also got you know it's also based on some kind of fact a, a little bit of the history of um the fbi and where they went with um classifying serial killers, but also um getting a database, setting up an interview system so you can profile them and easily, you know, identify who the killer in the situation is and all that kind of cool stuff that we, we take for granted kind of now with our shows and kind of where the forensics and all that kind of stuff went to, the cerebralness of serial killers and hunting them down and really getting inside the minds of these, not just the FBI agents, but also the criminals that do the things that they do. And the, the interviews with these guys, are amazing the, the the dialogue the acting is phenomenal the storyline is is really it's got a david if david fincher was attached to the project i think he directed a few episodes so it's got that esque style it's very cinematic but it's also very real and gritty in certain spots as well written the cast is phenomenal it's, i think it's coming back for a second season i hope it does cuz it kind of leaves on a cliffhanger but once you start to realize that it's based off like the real history of profiling in the FBI towards serial killers, and actually they coined the phrase "serial killer" off of these agents who are doing these um, things in these episodes. And the first time they use it in the show is really kind of neat because it didn't exi- it doesn't exist in- until they actually there's a group of them just trying to figure out what to call it, and they just spitballing. So it's really neat on that the history side, but it's also phenomenally produced and well acted. And I, I fell in love with, I, like I said before, I burnt through it like toilet paper um, when somebody recommended to me. I just lit it on fire and watched the whole thing, and I just wanted more. I craved more. I still do. But there we are. My number five pick is Mindhunter. Tia, have you seen Mindhunter?
2: I haven't seen Mindhunter. Um, well, okay, so that's a lie. I believe I watched the first episode because all my coworkers we're talking about it um i don't think i can talk on air why the reason why i wasn't really paying attention for the first episode but um i didn't really end up paying attention to it Dang. and i never got <laughs> and i never got back to it just because i think other things were just coming on at the same time that i just never got back into it but yes i and i don't know if you could really say that when it kind of sounds weird to go, I love serial killers, but I love watching shit that has right. to do with that. And, and yeah, I really, I need to get into Mindhunter. I need to get into it.
0: Yeah, if you're looking for something to kind of get your mind into and learn some things, um, this is definitely, yeah. And, and you know, it's, yeah, you're right. It's really hard to say, oh, I love talking about serial killers. But i you know a little bit of my job you know in, I work in special education, I deal with psychology, so I'm very curious like i always I wonder why my kids do the things that they do, and for me, in order for me to help the kids and, and and help them learn and grow i have to I have to know what makes them tick in order to fix them, not fix them that's the wrong word, that's horrible, but in order to fix the problems that they have and maybe help them get over it. And the same thing with serial killers. I just wonder why some people just do the things that they fucking do. And it's crazy. And, and it, you know, what's sickening are the ones that do it for no freaking reason. Because it, if you have no rhyme or reason to you, you're just living life, doing whatever the hell you want. That's scary. And there are people out there just doing stuff like that. So I'm right there with you. It's, it's hard to say, oh, I like to talk about serial killers. But I really am intrigued in how their brain works, you know, how they process these emotions or, or don't. But we have something in, the, uh, we call an ACE score, which basically you list out all these things that happen to you. You get a score at the end of this test. And um, most of the kids we work with have really high ACE scores, which means a lot of traumatic things happened in their childhood. And, you know, even us teachers, we took them just to kind of feel what the kids feel. And uh, we were all shocked that our scores were, you know, were almost on par with some of the kids too. So a lot of that has to do with what these serial killers become with the nature versus nurture kind of thing, and so for me it's real cerebral. I really think that it's very interesting, and I think people much way more people need to to get involved in, in watching this just because of that aspect of it
2: yeah I mean I, I know that um, as you said, like as far as it being underrated uh, besides the few people um that I worked with, besides I haven't heard many people talk about it, and it just sounds like an amazing, like, it's on Netflix, I believe, an amazing Netflix show to really binge and get into, but, you know, people, not a lot of people like learning when they watch stuff, so that could be why people just don't want to tune in to um, Mindhunter. Right, you're,
0: yeah, you're right, and I think you made a great point right there, Tia. I think people, and, you know, as an educator myself, I like learning just as, I mean, I I, I learn every day. There's some things I, I learn, I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't know that. But um, this is, a, if it's done in a creative way where you don't know you're learning, it's not, it doesn't set out to tell you, okay, you know, we are the special unit that's going to do the FBI. No, this stuff happens organically. Like everyone, you, you don't feel, I, I want to say, you don't feel like you're learning, but you are. So I think this is a great job of it, and you just kind of, uh have a newfound respect for where it was going and and the the internal struggles with the the department versus like other law enforcement but also versus the relationship that this guy was having with these serial killers was getting a little too he was like a a, a star almost he was not a star but like a fan and it was getting mm-hmm. it gets in his head so it's cerebral on like everyone's account and what they're actually doing so it's got the entertainment side of it too but it's mixed in with a little bit of history so I think you're right. People don't like to learn, but I think the best way, especially now with the generation, iPad generation is what I call it. Um, you have to find a way to, to get these people engaged with visuals. Um, because I don't, I think the days of reading textbooks and reading books the way that, you know, maybe you and I have grown up with is is going out the window. So we need to kind of adjust. And I think little, little, little films like this give you a real unique perspective. Um, on things that you may not even have known that you were interested in. You know what I mean?
2: I completely agree, Chris. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. So, yeah, so that was our uh, number five pick was Mindhunter. Real quick, guys, we'll recap. Um, We're going over the top, our top ten picks for underrated television and streaming shows. Um, I got Tia on with me, and we're going over our picks. So at number ten, we have Revenge. Number nine is Peaky Blinders. Number eight is The Killing. Number seven is The OA. Number six is American Gods. Number five is Mindhunter, and we're gonna sling it right back to Tia for number four. I'm sure she's got something
2: great for us. <laughs> well, thank you, Chris. I enjoy the vote of confidence. Um, uh, so, Always. my thank you. Uh, my pick is a show called Dollhouse. Um, and it, you know, I don't know the exact year that it was on, but it is a Josh Whedon production. It only lasted two seasons, um, and it stars Eliza Dushku. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that
0: correctly. Dushku. Um, Eliza Dushku.
2: Dushku. Eliza Dushku and Tom O'Penniquet, who I really just love his work, um, So we have Dollhouse, right? And if I could describe it in any sort of way, it has a very Westworld feel to it. Um, The whole premise is is wacky. It is. It's kind of like scientific um, out there. But the whole thing is that there is this secret um, society that only the insanely rich can afford where you have people who say, Um, for whatever reason, they agree that for five years of their lives that they are pretty much going to be a doll. And what that is is that by, and again, this is out there, I'm just going to say that, but by technology, whatever, they are able to extract someone's personality, take that away, and so that they are just a husk at that point. And then for whatever client wants to purchase them for, however amount of time, then they put in another personality. So if you're someone who needs a date to a very high-end art gallery, and you need someone who can be this, like, knowledgeable person of art, then they put that personality in. Or if you need someone who is going to help you rob a bank, they're going to put that in to someone. And The real person doesn't have any idea that this is happening to their body. They are erased every time they come back to the dollhouse. Um, And then it just keeps going over and over again. Um, And then you have, uh, so Elijah Dishu plays the main doll, and her whole thing is that instead of jail time for a crime that she committed, she agrees to five years for this to happen. And Tom O'Pennicott plays a cop who is investigating this because, again, the dollhouse isn't known to the public. It's like a secret society that Tom O'Pennicott is convinced exists. And everyone calls him crazy, but he investigates further. And Dollhouse is perfectly aware that he's investigating them um, to the point where they actually uh, stage a neighbor. That is one of their sleeper dolls, but he has no idea. He just thinks that she's a really nice neighbor who is just being nice to him. In fact, she's coming back to the dollhouse every night giving them information on him. So that's the whole thing. But if I have to describe it in any sort of way, it's very Westworld where the robots are given different personalities, different... Uh, ways to react and at the end of it they don't remember anything until they finally start quote unquote waking up and that's very much how this is only instead of it being with robots it's being with people whose personalities are extracted from them so that they are hollow husks for whatever personality to be put into to be purchased by the highest bidder and that's pretty much the uh the whole spectrum of it. And it's kind of very much where in Westworld, as you keep, and for anyone who hasn't watched Westworld recently, sorry, spoiler alert, but you keep finding out all these people who you didn't realize were robots are actually robots. And so the same thing is kind of happening in Dollhouse, where you find out more and more people who, even themselves, who thought that they were just normal human beings are in fact a fabricated personality put into this husk. And it's, it's pretty crazy, and again, only lasted two seasons, and I was really disappointed with that, because I felt like it maybe was before its time, because it's, and I keep saying this, it's very much like Westworld, and people love Westworld, I certainly love Westworld, so maybe it's just that it wasn't done properly, the audience wasn't there, the timing wasn't there, I don't know what the reasoning was, but... It just didn't make it past two seasons and I think it's it's very underrated. That's my argument there.
0: <laughs> no, it's a very sound argument. Um I remember this show. Uh, I was a big um I'm not a real big fan of Josh Whedon, if I'm saying his name right. I was at one point, but as of as of Dang. late i kind of um I've kind of noticed that, um I don't know, I just it's not about it's not about him, but I do remember this because I was a Buffy fan, and I will mm. say I was, but I stopped watching Buffy like season three or four. Um, uh, Although I was growing up and I was getting involved in other things at the time too, but like I always felt like the when it, it switched networks, I don't know if you remember that or not, but the show switched networks and it kind of the tone was off, and I yeah. kind of didn't. I did it. It kind of went a different way for me, but I rem, I remember the two Slayers right. I remember Elijah Dushku was the other one, right? And she, I, I was a big fan of hers. I always thought she was a really good actress. Um, she was in True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger back in like the early '90s or '94 or something like that. A great action movie. It was really fun, um, and it was. I think she's just really good. So I, I was aware of that that show. I checked it out, <laughs> and I was like, nah, nah, I don't get it. And I'm not gonna lie, younger younger Chris was like. I like Fast and the Furious. You know what I mean? I, that movie is horrible. Like, when you break it down to a movie con... If you break it down the production side, but I didn't know. You know, I was like, oh, telephone or phone booth with, with Colin Farrell was like Shakespeare to me at that time. You know, I was not into that. My mindset just didn't... I was like, oh, I definitely wasn't watching television. And then I, I never really was a fan of watching TV shows. I liked watching it with, with like, my friends and family as, like, a, a thing. But I never really got into getting into those things until I was a little older. So, I mean, it didn't really strike a nerve with me um, necessarily. But I also had cable, so I was watching, like, and Showtime series, which could cuss and show nudity. So I wasn't really interested in, like, going <laughs> back to watching WB or, or UPN back in the day. I don't know if you guys know this, but Warner Brothers was actually a network. You know, and so was the United Paramount Network, who actually owned the show Buffy and that's where Josh got his got his start. Um but um the way you just described it now, I'm like fuck, why the hell isn't this on the air? Like this is this is pretty cool. <laughs> and you're right, it is like Westworld. And I haven't seen Westworld, but thank you for fucking spoiling it. I'm just kidding. I I I, <laughs> I know what Westworld Westworld's is about. so
2: good. <laughs> I I know I know
0: and I'm going to watch it and I'm 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 aware of Westworld spoilers. So I I'm, I'm just trying to be funny. But um, it, it does sound very Westworldian, and I think you know Joss may have been um, inspired by it back then. But you said a really good point, Tia. You. you said it might have been ahead of its time, and in the way you're describing it now, and I think it came out in the early 2000s. I, I don't don't quote me, um, but you're right. It might have been a little bit too cerebral for you know for the audiences at that time. Um, so I don't know why it didn't last long but I really think that that concept here that you, that the dollhouse, I, I think that would make a cool Netflix series. Like, do you see that? Like, am I wrong? Or do you think that would be like a cool little like bring her back and get Josh think, on as a producer? I'd say, why not? Cause that concept is, is pretty solid from where the way you described it.
2: You know, I think it would be actually a pretty cool Netflix series if they want to ever bring it back. Um, whether they could get original cast members or they wanted to just kind of redo it all together. I think it would be cool. People love the concept of secret societies and um, all that, things behind the scenes, conspiracies, and I think that it could work in that sense and the whole thing that there's a private club that only the really elite can actually get access to because that's the whole thing is that not the average person can do is it costs millions of dollars um, and you have people who say have lost their wives in tragic accidents and they want to recreate their anniversary for a day and they cost them four million dollars. So the average person who's making 15 bucks an hour isn't going to be able to afford that. So why would they need to know about it? And it's obviously not very legal or ethical. And then, of course, you have the whole I, – I just think it, it would be a cool Netflix series. You could get away with it. As you said, um, this was on the WB, so if you were able to bring it to Netflix, you could have a little bit more freedom with the, with the cursing, with the nudity, because like, let's be honest, people love that in stuff. Um, we hate censorship. If, so, it's done
0: right. if it's done right, I have no problem with it. But if it's just thrown in there just for the sake of seeing boobies –
2: it's not, but it, it's
0: like, if it can, if, it, if it's the characters, like, if they're those kind of people, right, show it, you know? But I, I hate, just to get off topic, but I hate when they just put it in there. Like, there's ways of showing people care about each other without having sex. I just don't personally, like, I've never, in all my productions, if I've, done, I've never, ever thought, dang, I need a, I need a sex scene in this. So I don't understand where it comes from, to be personally honest with you, because I've, I've never felt like doing that or putting an actress through that. I don't want to audition that, and I sure as hell don't want to shoot that. Not that I'm a prude. I just feel like there's a better there, – unless unless I'm directing a movie that has that that as an undertone or like a topic, I just don't see – I think that's a really lazy film. Like I think it's just there for aesthetics and Googling, and I don't know if I want to put myself involved in that stuff. But anyway – but like you were saying, though, like, it's, really, it's a really interesting concept. And, yeah, why would somebody making $15 an hour, why torture them with letting them know that this is out there? You know, they wouldn't even, they would be, like, living in their own little world. I think people like to, under, like, they like to get outside their own little world because for the most of us, it's monotony, right? We get up, do it, boom. We're in this, like, little bubble. And we like to think that outside our little bubble is another little bubble of shit that we have nothing, we don't know what's going on in that bubble. That's weird, oh my God, we're living all this time in this bubble, and all this stuff's happening out there. I think people that really hits a nerve and is really relatable to people, and I really think that this could be something that could come back as a as an, as a topic and i don't, um, I'm going to see if I can find it on streaming, but I have a feeling I have a feeling the acting sucks. I don't know, but I thought that when I first watched it, I was like, "Ah, I just felt a little uh corny,
2: maybe I mean, it wasn't it like you were have, saying. It does have. At times, I won't like because. All right, let's you know. If it if it was early 2000s, maybe I'm not sure. But there was that formula that was around during that day of the kind of um, I don't know the OC type of shows that came out, and there could have been a little bit of that. I don't doubt it. Um, oh, the OC! Night.
0: Oh, Jesus!
2: <laughs> you just you put me I'm right saying? back I in my couch.
0: Time- Back in my apartment in 2003, I was like, "Oh man, you just put me—you just time traveled me real quick when you just said that." Because I seriously haven't thought of that show in forever. But I was—I I liked how... it. I can't
1: help it. I liked it. I'm so sorry, everybody's listening. I know. I know. But I it was just so much drama.
2: drama. Yeah. And it's like, I don't doubt that, you know, like, that there could have been, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I wouldn't say maybe it was Oscar worthy, not Oscar, because it's the Emmy worthy, like, show. Yeah, Golden Globe, yeah. Yeah. But I still thought it was entertaining, and I love the concept of having this detective that literally everyone thinks is nuts. And they're all saying, they're going, you're out of your mind. Dollhouse doesn't exist. Why are you spending all these hours and even the time that you're not on duty. Why are you just researching this? And it's like, no, he was right. This is really going on. And he's the only one who really is just giving it the time of day. And he's pretty much just like, these are people who are losing five years of their lives so that they could just be used up pretty much as, as a doll, and I just I don't know I really like the concept, and if I can keep comparing it to Westworld, it's what we yeah. liked about West. It's what we like about Westworld. We get to see these robots being different people, and and it's it's almost a very 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 similar concept. Obviously, Westworld is um, executed in a much better way, and it has its underlying as well, but I think Dollhouse could be given another chance on a streaming service like Netflix if they have the right people behind it.
0: Yeah, definitely, because the way that you're describing it seems really interesting. And real quick, I have a question. Like with so every episode does she come back as a different person?
2: Yeah, every episode she's a different person that they want. And if I can remember, like, one one of the episodes was literally these people needed to break into a bank and they needed someone who was an expert on safes or shit like that, you know, so they literally took Elijah and put in a personality of a person who was highly skilled, who knew how to crack into safes and all that shit and put her out with them so that they can complete this task. And then at the end of it, the people of Dollhouse pick her up. She's sent back. That personality is completely wiped from her. And then she's just kind of like this blank slate at this point because they don't go back to their original personalities. They're just like a hollow body until they can be used again.
0: See, that's a cool concept. Like, I want to watch that like t- totally like i i get behind it i can see where it could go episodically i, I you know like what say what you want about Josh sweden but you know the, he's talented the, you know his, his style may not be for everyone but you know i think he i think he was on to something it might have just been a little bit ahead of its time really cool all right just yeah. like real recap and like we'll recap real quick um if you're just joining us, guys, we're we're heading into number two and number one pick. But Tia, real quickly, um, because um, so we're going to number three. That means mm-hmm. you'll have two, and then I'll have one. I want you to have the number one pick, since you're you know not the guest, but you're you know, I'm the host. I don't want the number one pick. Um, oh. I think it's way more <laughs> fair if you take the number one pick. So. When we recap, I want you, um, if if you're cool with it, come at number three. I'll hit number two, and then you can hit number one. Is that cool?
2: That sounds crazy because I have one for number one that I've been waiting this whole time. That is the underrated of all underrated. It's perfect.
0: (laughs) Good. I like to leave my crew with the number one. I just think it's it's just, uh, you know, you deserve it. So, anyway, so number ten, it's uh, Revenge. Number nine, Peaky Blinders. Every time I say Peaky Blinders, I want to say it with a British accent, by the way. Number eight, <laughs> <laughs> The Killing. Number seven, DOA. Number six, American Gods. Number five, Mindhunter. Number four is The Dollhouse. And we're going to go back to TF and number three. But real quick, TF, I think we have a really cool list here.
2: I think, too. I think this is an awesome collection of shows. I can't wait to see your number two.
0: Definitely. Uh, So hit us with number three. What do you got?
2: All right, so for number three, I have this show called Banshee. And, again, I'm sorry. I think we've established I'm sick, so if that sounds weird then pronouncing it, I do apologize. Again, it's called Banshee, Um, another show that's not on anymore. It was four seasons. Did you ever watch it? I believe it was on Cinemax.
0: Um, I'm aware of it. I haven't watched it. I've seen like trailers and stuff like that of of the of what you're talking about, uh, Banshee. Yeah.
2: I, as you can tell, I do amazing research for this. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I've never so
0: far, I, I haven't seen any of your pics <laughs> except for I think we've all, but that's not that's okay though because we're we're learning and we're informing. And it's not necessarily about that, you know, that we're not, you know, it's not one of those where, you know, we haven't seen it. But I've been on episodes here where we're like, oh, crap, none of us have seen the pick, and there's like four of us. We're (laughs) like, shit. So this is is not that situation. So it's all good. Keep going.
2: All right. So Banshee, um, pretty much the concept of it is that the main character is a, pretty much a thief. Him and his crew run robberies, like high-stake bank robberies, um, but not in the fact where they bust in, guns ablaze, and everyone hands up. They'll like go underneath and steal that way. So, but the main character goes to the town of Banshee, and pretty much like has a different name and all that, a different identity. If we can like realize that this is probably the most ill-vetted town ever and he is able to become the sheriff of the town and it's all a ruse so that he can like who's going to suspect the sheriff pretty much of being a master thief so him so he becomes the sheriff of the town and he has his crew and that's what they do pretty much and i pretty much picked this because i've never heard anyone talk about it and the amazing part because this is another film, not film, now I'm saying film, um, this is another TV show that <laughs> is, I picked this TV show because, first of all, it is crazy. It's set in the quote-unquote real world, but everyone in it is ready to fight 24-7. The The fight scenes in this show are just amazing, high intensity, really great moves going on. I mean, it's just so intense. It's edgy. You have all different types of people within the town all pretty much at war with each other. You have, um, within this town, you have the Mormons. Then you have uh, these Native Americans, you have these neo-Nazis involved, you have all these different groups of people just all really angry at each other, fighting all the time, and it's just, like, crazy the intensity that goes from episode to episode, and you have some characters that is kind of, like, weird going on between them, and it's just how it, like, transfers, it's such a good show, and... In the third season, we see the introduction of Tom Pelfrey. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. He plays Ward on Iron Fist. And the reason why I was so disappointed in season two that we didn't get a fight scene with Ward in it, which I know could seem a little, like, strange, but Tom Pelfrey can, like, fight. And he plays a really interesting character in season three of Banshee. He pretty much plays a former neo-Nazi himself who is trying to get his life back together after leaving the brotherhood five years prior. And he pretty much becomes a cop in Banshee, which you have a cop who has like swastikas all over him. But like, what else do you expect? The sheriff is um, a thief at this point. So But just this really crazy show that's just really entertaining, really fun to watch. The fight scenes in every single episode are some of the best fight scenes that I've ever seen in a show. The choreographer who was in charge of that should have gotten an award because they were that good. So to me, Banshee is just this really crazy show that needs to be watched because it literally keeps you on your toes every single episode.
1: hello hey
0: tia real quick hey tia sorry i think ryan's just joined us i apologize tia you you did amazing i'm gonna give a quick retort to what you just said really quick but ryan has now joined us ryan what's up how are you man hey what's going
1: on guys hey ryan (laughs) i know i'm a little late, but a little, I made a it. little, 30 minutes, just 30 minutes after the
0: show.
1: Look, I want to know, I can know get, what your excuses.
0: Oh, you're going to take my number two. I'll give you, hey, Ryan, real quick, because I don't want to, just hang tight, Ryan, because I don't want to, I don't want to negate, Tia was just making a great uh, pitch for Banshee. And um, Tia, what you were saying was like, so like, the 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 dynamics of of the setting of this of the series is like are the are all these little factions that you were saying like these you know the native Americans and the mormons and how like the 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 underlining layer um is that the sheriff is corrupt are all these like underplaying each other through the whole kind of series like each entangled it's kind of what I'm trying to say.
2: Yes, pretty much. and then throughout the series, you see um factions aligning themselves with different people throughout the series and then having to break those bonds to then team up with other factions to as new threats are kind of transpiring through it. So it's really interesting to see that and see you know what everyone's motives are throughout the show, and then even people who you really wouldn't think that you would be rooting for at some point, point, then suddenly you find yourself, like, not feeling bad for them, but, like, oh, okay, now this is what I want from this character. And it's just really interesting just how it is. And I really, again, Hmm. think that it should be watched alone just for the amazing fight scene every single episode. As I said, they are ready to fight 24-7.
0: Holy shit. Like, when you say ready to fight 24-7... Is the film, in film, Jesus, we've been doing this the whole time. Is the series, um, does it take itself, is it taking itself seriously? Or is it like a comedy, action comedy? Like, what are we dealing with, like, dramatic-wise, tone? What's the tone of this? It sounds really it's, cool.
2: It's pretty intense. Um, I wouldn't count it as comedy. There's a lot of, like, stark type of raw emotions um, families being broken up, secrets being revealed. You have uh, one of the main characters just really trying to be a good mother but and have a relationship with her daughter, but her daughter wanting nothing to do with it because pretty much um, the mother has kept the, the secret that her father isn't really her father for her whole life. So you have that going on. Um, and it is just like the fight scenes are just, so crazy with all of it. And then everything is just like intermingled with each other. It's just, it's a really like, it's a high intensity show.
0: Wow. That seems pretty cool. So it's not a comedy at all. They're ready to fight high drama. It sounds there's a lot of twists and layers going on, man. I'm going to have to do a lot of freaking binge watching over my fall break. We're getting these really cool <laughs> shows Tia. Like real quick. Okay. Ryan, All right, Um, Tia, you did a great job with your... Where have you been, sir? I've been
1: doing some around Jersey, doing
0: some things. Oh, just hanging out, have you? I'm just messing with you, man. It's good to to have you on. Yeah, it's good to have you on. I'm going to go ahead, like, I'm going to give you my number two pick, and then Tia's going to end us with number one. Have you been watching or list watching? Have you been listening to uh, <laughs> to the show at all?
1: Nah, give me a
0: roundup of uh, the tops. All right, cool. I've done it like thirty times, up uh, thirty-one. Here we go. <laughs> so our number ten pick is Revenge. Number nine is Peaky Blinders. Number eight is The Killing. Number seven is The OA. Number six is American Gods. Number five is Mindhunter. Number four is The Dollhouse. Number three we just talked about was Banshee. Now, Ryan, have you seen any of those? Um,
1: I saw Dollhouse. I, if I'm not correctly, I watched a little bit of The OA. Um, my parents were very big on Revenge. I watched a few episodes. Um, I watched the first two episodes of American Gods, and I know Kia has a huge fetish for that show, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we I all know that. Know that. <laughs> <laughs> like, an extremely high amount of fetish I saw. <laughs> I watched the first episode, and then I just got lost of time, and I just never continued it. And I already know Tia's going to try and convince me it's one of the greatest shows ever. And, uh, I'm probably going to binge watch it soon, so that's that's about it.
0: All right, cool. And so, like, so you've seen a little bit of of almost everything on here. So um, yeah, yeah,
1: I've watched bits and pieces, not like full seasons, so. though.
0: Does anything stand out that you want to say about the list so far of what you've seen of any of these shows? Most of
1: the shows I forgot about, other than American but I am going to be a hundred percent honest. Most of the shows I completely forgot about.
0: Fair, fair enough. So I'll just cut the so BS and I, just asking,
1: I, I I'll just ask you. I'll ask you what you're. <laughs> to be on the list.
0: What? I'm sorry.
2: So
1: I, I think that's one reason why they're deserving to be on the list. Because they're so old and she are just old. like, most of those shows are not even running anymore. So. And a couple like, of them. The Killing I've never watched. The Killing I've never watched, but I heard really good things about it.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So. Fair enough. So Ryan, do you have a number two pick that could fit in right here? Underrated television show. Yes, I do have one. Lethal Weapons. All right.
1: The show on Fox. Huh. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. okay. All right. Go for it. No, nope, you don't have a clue. <laughs> so what I'm I thinking. had the exact.
1: No. I said the exact same expression when I found out they were making this TV show. Bro, I love the original Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Bro, nothing beats that. That movie is one of my favorite movies of all time, and I can re-watch it over and over and find something new about it. Every single time that I just keep falling in love with it. And I was like, bro, are they really going to remake this movie into a TV show? Watch it, it suck like everything else. So, recently, I, I never, like, watched it while it was playing until now. And a few weeks ago, I binge-watched the first two seasons, before season three, and dude, they're fucking amazing. I never thought I'd love a show like that. The the people they get from Murton Riggs, they play off each other so well. And the guy who plays Martin Riggs, oh my god, the guy is fucking hilarious. He gives you this amazing character arc. Of in, in, in season one, spoilers if you guys haven't watched. In season one, his wife dies, so he moves from Texas to California. And then he gets partnered with Murtaugh. And throughout the whole season, you see him trying to overcome the depression he has been in for the past year. Because he's trying to figure out that not only was the accident non-co- non-coincidental, but it also killed the unborn child at the same time. So he's been going over mental barriers trying to figure out who killed his family while com- overcoming the death of them. While working with a new partner that's trying to get into his mentee or psyche and trying to figure out what's wrong with him. And the guy who played Martin Riggs played him so well with just the right amount of craziness to where you can see the emotion. Because I'm pretty sure everyone here has seen the original Lethal Weapon. You saw in the very first one, um, Riggs was fucking loony. He didn't give a shit if he died. You get this same exact vibe from this show. In the first episode, he went into a bomb threat and talked the bomber down, a suicide bomber, and then he exploded it right after. He didn't give a shit if he died, but he played it off so well with the correct emotion because after he'd just be out of these hard moments and laughing it off because Murchall thinks he's crazy. When he's alone drinking by himself, getting drunk, he sits there and looks at a picture of his dead wife and unborn child and starts hysterically crying because every time you see him, He's just kind of like, yeah, you know what? We got this. It's fine. We're going to be fine. But then you see him by himself, and he's a broken human being. But no one knows. People know it, but no one really knows it, if that makes sense. They can see that he's hiding something, but they never really knew what he was hiding until the end of the season. And then in the second Mm -hmm. season, you come to find out that his father was an abusive father when he was young, and they thought his best friend shot him and killed him in the face. He comes back from jail. And it, you find out that the father actually hired a hit to kill Riggs' wife. So at the end of that season, they kill the father. And it really wraps up the story because I don't know if you guys heard about this, but the I-Plays 1, Riggs, after season two, was fired because of disputes between cast and crew. He was apparently getting into fights with so they fired him. And I didn't realize this was going to happen. I thought that at the end of the second season, he was just going to light off with his girlfriend because he found a new family. And he finally came to a closure about his old family's death and finally feels comfort in knowing what really happened. So he met this new girl. He, he met up with one of his old friends. They hooked up. And now they married. And I thought they were going to go off into the sunset. No, no, no. You find out that Riggs has a other brother, like another brother from a, I believe it was a different mother, I don't remember I think it was a different mother, that he never knew about so at the end of his se- second season, he goes to his wife's old grave and says I'm never going to forget you, and leaves something to remember him by and just as he looks up, his, his half-brother comes up and shoots him on his ex-wife's grave, and that's how they end the season Giving that character arc, fucking, well I didn't think I'd care so much about a character and that was only Riggs you see Murta, fucking Murta, this fifty year old man with heart failure condition and shit like that. He he's living the life. he's about to retire just like in the movies. He's getting too old for this shit. And you see this crazy man not sure too shit about his life. But he's trying to be there and open up and be a partner and show him that he cares, but he doesn't know how to open up to a man that's mentally and physically broken by his past. And you, you try to help him but he just can't. And watching them grow their dogs throughout the season, it's fantastic. And then you jump to season three, six months it starts after the end of season two. Murtaugh is still uneasy about Riggs' death. Six months later, he, still, he cries. He, he cries in the season premiere over this man that he's only known for two years, I want to say. And that's how well their connection grew and their partnership. And that's only two fucking years. So well, I don't even cry over people over maybe 10 years, and they cried over two years because they've been through in and out of it all. And you see in the movies that Rig becomes part of his family. He just comes into their house whenever he feels like it, yada, yada, yada. And you just see that the chemistry of the two characters is fantastic, and the supporting cast is quite hilarious too, I think. So that's why I think it's number two. And no, no, I see no one talk about it. Nobody talk about it, and it bothers me because this show is funny has great action, and amazing drama for a comedy show like that. But yeah, that's, <laughs> she's the last number two for me.
0: Well, first off, Ryan, spoiler alert. You
1: should—you
0: told us the ending of the series. Yeah, <laughs> but no, no. You, uh, oh. you had me hooked, though. You had me hooked. I think well, you did a really okay. good job of...
1: Even though I might have ruined Go it, ahead. I still feel like you guys should watch it just to watch the two of them. That's how great the
0: show is. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. I, I was aware of it when it first came out. Um, I wasn't sure how the how to like really play it because I don't know how I felt about n- network television. Like, I didn't think it was. I thought it was yeah, gonna be a little corny. So, like the way that you described it and like you articulated yourself pretty well and like you. You saw the characters for you know I think your your point of view was like seeing like really kind of grounded and jaded and characters with flaws and and, and layers and character arcs so that might be something um, that I, I'll be interested in seeing. Tia, what do you think about Lethal Weapon? Have you seen it?
2: Um, I'll. Be honest i probably had the same reaction that you know ryan had originally and you have chris that what they're making a network television series off of lethal weapon was that really necessary i was like there's no way that this show could be good so i kind of just didn't even give it a second thought but um i think my mom or something has watched it she actually said you know what it's really good, despite what you have thought about it, and what like you, you know, your reservations towards it. That it is actually something worth checking into.
0: Yeah, it does kind of it does kind of seem like that. Um, and I'm I'm all for those kind of sleeper hits, and I like being kind of thrown off, um, and you know, kind of not, you know, not thinking so. You know, have my expectations kind of like moved to the side, mm-hmm. and then in kind of being. Um, you know, pleasantly surprised by certain things. So I'm definitely going to check out uh, Lethal Weapon. Um, real quickly, guys, before we hit our number one, uh, I want to recap. If you're just joining us, we're going over the top ten, uh, our top ten underrated television uh, shows and streaming shows. Number ten, we have Revenge. Number nine is Peaky Blinders. Number ten is The Killing. I mean, number eight is The Killing, excuse me. Number seven is BOA. Number six is American Gods. Number five is Mindhunter. Number four is The Dollhouse. Number three is Banshee. Number two, Lethal Weapon. Believe it or not, it, it actually sounds pretty good. Um, and number one, we're going to shoot it over to Tia. And when she, before she gives us this pick, if she doesn't pick the thing that I was going to pick for number two, I might real quick after she's done do like a couple <laughs> like um, – also, <laughs> Rand or um, people that didn't make the list, um, you know, kind of shows we can just fire those off real quick. But real quick, Tia. Honorable mention. But anyway, <laughs> honor, honorable mention. Thank you. I was looking for the word and I couldn't find it, so I was stalling. Anyway,
2: <laughs>
0: Tia, <laughs> Tia, go go. Hit us with number one. What do you got?
2: Okay, so what I think is the most underrated show is CW's Zombie. I think that is the most underrated show proven only by the fact that season five has been announced, that it will be its last season when there is absolutely no reason to end this show. Oh, my God, Ryan. <laughs> Go away right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hang up
2: <off> the phone.
0: <laughs> I like how Ryan, Ryan gives no fucks in in a good way though cuz we all we all care about each other and we're, we we all we we don't take this show serious guys it's we love the fact that we have different tastes and we can kind of poke fun at each other and Ryan just if you didn't hear it Ryan just said thank god when she said that and i had my mic muted and i i snorted because i was thinking the same thing i just go but tia tia does a great job tia does a great job of changing my mind i I don't want to talk about it. I want Tia to talk about it. So I just oh, thought that gosh. was really... I'm sorry to, to to break it up, Tia. But you could change my mind, Tia. So don't don't hate me just yet. You know. and me, Go Tia. ahead, though.
2: Listen, I know that it's really easy to write this series off. Believe me, when it first came on to CW and I heard about it, I was like, that sounds like the dumbest shit ever. I zombie the title alone. Sounds like a terrible show. And then one day, for some reason... I was on Netflix. I didn't know what else to watch. It was on my suggestive. I was like, "Whatever, let's put it on." I loved every second of it. I love the first of all. I really like the movie Warm Bodies. If anyone had ever seen that Never movie, was that I watched it? All right, so Eye Zombie has a very similar um, concept to the fact that so you have this main character, Liz, who was formerly a um, surgeon who go to a party, and for some reason, uh, all of a sudden, the partygoers start going stark raving mad with a new virus that they pretty much dub as the zombie virus, and she gets infected, and she needs to eat brains, which again, I can understand sounds like a spooky little concept. She then becomes, um, then starts working in a morgue because what's the best way to get your brains while not killing people is just eat the people who are already dead. And every time she eats the brain of someone, she takes on their personalities. And you you first have, when you first meet Liz, you have this girl who has such a flair for life. She was going to get married. She was at the top of her game. She had a very promising career ahead of her. And we see how becoming a zombie has thrown her into such a deep depression. She broke off her engagement. She started working at a morgue. She started pushing people away from her life. And she is so lost because she can't confide in anyone. And then finally her um, co-worker, Dr. Ravi Shakrabarty, discovers what she is instead of being freaked out he's so totally cool with it he wants to help her, he wants to find a cure Um, and so then through the series is basically not only her discovering herself in a way to kind of live life but also to use her zombieism pretty much to help solve crimes of these murder victims so that she can help find closure for families and then it becomes her telling people in her life about this, and then you have the amazing David Anders as Blaine, who Jen just becomes like another zombie who at first Liz thought that she could not confide in, but they're both zombies at the same time, but then he goes off on his own criminal faction because he decides that he can make money off of this by pretty much making other zombies to create a need for products. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it just pretty much goes through it and so there are some episodes that are so powerful in the brains that she eats and the lives that she discovers Um, and then even herself seeing how this, I mean, first of all, being a zombie and making certain decisions has literally pushed away her mother, her brother. Um, We see all these types of, um, problems between her and her ex-fiance, and there are and for being a CW show and for being the show that you can write off as hokey, there are certain episodes that really touch upon some serious issues and some really like even the latest season dealt with you know issues of equality and um, finding your place in the world as now zombieism is more well known and more widespread. So to me, I to me it's a highly entertaining show. Rose MacIver, the way that she takes on new personalities as the weeks go by and the episodes go by, is so amazing. David Anders as Blaine, and uh, from going from a scumbag to a complex character and mm-hmm. finding out the reason why he is the way he is, is just like, it's heartbreaking from episodes because you find out that, you know, he was clearly abused by his father and all this other crap. But so to me, it's just, I love the show. I was heartbroken finding out that the 50s, season was going to be its last season. I know that you boys said thank God about that. But to me, I think it's really disappointing because it's a fun show. And at this point, the CW has become just DC Universe all over again.
0: Well, first off, i I didn't say that <laughs> I didn't say thank God Ryan did so um he gets credit he gets credit for that but um i re- personally um I remember thinking exactly the same thing i zombie that is dumb um well you know
2: you they even mention it a few times. they poke fun at their own name there are some episodes that are incredibly meta. There's an episode where they are trying to investigate a murder on a TV set, and there are people who are zombie extras, and they literally go, oh, imagine if there's a a zombie show, but the zombie is the main character, and they're like, that's dumb. They, like, poke fun at the fact that they are a bit silly with all of this.
0: Ah, that still doesn't save it for me because you said CW, <laughs> and I don't like any show that's on the CW. And I know Ball that Ball it's Ball it's not it's not a, it's not a very popular opinion to have. Um, yeah. What's up, Brian? You there? Dude,
1: that's the you know, CW shows, fuck.
2: No, I oh, yeah. you know, I I totally um, agree I totally agree with Chris. I mean, I after have a whole room of WWE. After okay. I zombie, after zombie ends, I may have to exit. Offended.
1: What? Yeah. Oh my god. I'm, I I can't want to sort Ryan. What do you offend is uh, do we Hold do up, we off. offend your, your
0: your DC universe? <sighs> oh, oh, oh.
1: I'm really glad I didn't bring any of those up on the number two spot. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would have me a new one. Yes, it would have me a new
0: one. There, look, no. there's just something... There's just something about the CW for me that's just is corny as all hell. And I just oh, can't... Oh, I totally agree.
1: That's why I love
0: it. Put my finger on it. I, love it. I I would love it if it was done in a comedic way. I mean... Did you see Supergirl fight Superman? How do you not watch that uh, okay. and not laugh? I will give you
1: that. I'm not a huge fan of Supergirl. <laughs> I only watch it for um, continuity. So I will give you that.
0: No, I no, I appreciate that you like it, and a lot of people do. Leo, if you know Leo, was the former host, and Leo's uh, a great guy doing his own thing. Uh, and him and I constantly go at it about the CW verse or whatever you want to call it. But back to iZombie real quick. Um, I I did watch a couple episodes, and I I I just I can't I just I I can't I can't get into it. I understand the concept, and I think it's unique and it's 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 cute, but I don't really um, it. It doesn't sound like it's bad, so I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't. it's not horrible, so I guess you, it could be having – it's got five seasons, so it must be doing something. I, I think it it deserves to be on the list. Number one, for me personally, I'd be like, no, I I don't know about that. Cause we got a great <laughs> list. We got a great list. And then you pop out iZombie, and you know what? I should have seen this coming. I know how much you like iZombie. But I thought you were going to pick something else at number one. Um, so, Ryan, I'm going to shoot it to you for your rebuttal. Uh, how do you feel about number one being iZombie? Holy. What's that? Oh,
2: boy. Ryan, you all right? Oh, That's oh. me. Oh, I was stirring a cup of coffee. My bad, guys. <laughs> Holy cow. It sounded like someone was breaking somebody's house.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, we're
0: live. Just so anybody was wondering, we're live as shit right now. Um, <laughs> Ryan, there how do you go. feel about iZombie? Zombie? Uh, going back to the
1: CW, uh, being very cheesy, this show perfectly puts the CW in that because I don't know, I, there's a thing about zombies that I don't think should be comedical or comedical, same what are you fucking say it. Uh, bro, comical. Ever since, comical, yeah. Ever since the day I saw The Night of the Living Dead, zombies have been my one true horror thing. No matter what zombie movie it is, I have to fucking watch it. Zombies should not be funny. Zombies should be scary. Even brains should not be funny. Eating brains should be like, oh, shit, that could be me. No, 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 no. Why? What what the fuck? Why would they make it a play? Why would they make it like a disease or something? (laughs) I watched the first two episodes. I'm sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? They're completely diminishing a zombie right now. And I even got offended. The makeup is fucking shit, first of all. They don't look like a zombie. They look like that whore in high school that dresses up as a zombie to get dick. I'm sorry. It's true. And then if I remember correctly the new season or whichever season there's like a zombie outbreak and now they live like a typical day as if they're human, right, Tia? I was reading something about that or something. Like they fit in with society.
2: Well, the thing is now is that now that there's more zombies, yes, they are trying to fit into the fact where they get spray fans, they dye their hair, to try and like fit into it. But if I can explain further in on it, it's not all kinesios, like, it is presented as a disease. And I think that, and they even say at some point that they're trying to draw comparisons to, like, the HIV virus, where it's like, you know, these people are still people that you know and shouldn't be treated differently just because they have a a disease. Um, And that's how it kind of, like, is presented, especially in more recent season where more people are zombies and now all of America knows about their existence and it's all about you know if you're with someone you know understand that there's a chance that you could transfer it to the other person so I think they're drawing like comparisons more so it's not the walking dead you know they're not running no, no, around no, no. dragging their feet
1: the we don't mention the walking Dead on the show we don't why that, wait, that is my why don't we
2: mention it? Why don't why we, we mention dating, dating, that show?
1: And that is never going to be diminished on this show. Oh, I Ryan, the then you don't want to hear, do hear my opinion. <laughs> you do not want to hear
2: my opinion
1: <laughs> back, on The Walking Dead. Back, <laughs> back to I zombie. Back Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan,
0: Ryan, first off, what, this is my show. And 2nd <laughs> oh, <God. a> second,
1: <laughs>
0: second, I'll talk about... The Walking Dead. However, I want to talk about on my oh, show. As Man. soon as you get your own show, I'm gonna come on your show until you, you can't <laughs> talk about Batman. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> okay, I have no, no on I'm on just, Batman. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. Uh, I love your passion, Ryan. Like I really do. Uh, it's all in <laughs> no, good no, fun, honestly, my friend.
1: honestly, one of my biggest pet peeves with the show nowadays is it's trying to spread a message that's been spread so many times. And it, like you said before, it's equality and everyone's the same no matter how different or how different they look or act. And I get what they're trying to say. I feel like they're trying to make the statement because they're this huge company, the CW. They they want to show that they're in support of the people that watch them. And they're trying to shed light on a situation. But I feel like it's starting to get saturated at this point. But I don't necessarily blame this show for doing it. I just blame it for, like jumping on the bandwagon of doing it because you've got the whole problem of equality now today that everyone wants to do it and it's just becoming oversaturated with a bunch of things and it's not the biggest pet peeves but it's like one of my pet peeves because I don't like bringing the biggest politics nowadays into TV shows even though you can argue that some of the shows I watch do bring them in but I feel like when I watch like since I watched the Arrowverse TV shows I watched a lot of the um, zombie commercials. A bunch of the commercials were emphasizing that it had to be about equality. And what I, when the show first started, I don't remember it being about equality or it hinted at it like it would dabber in like, oh, you're this or you're different. But like now you got this whole society where they're living on their own in some other place, humans living. And I just think it's too much. And I felt like they were just doing it to – outlive the show or keep the show running as much as they can keep it on live support. And so I think you said season five, They're ending this year or something, whatever. So that's pretty much all I got to say other than how cheesy
0: it is. Absolutely mm.
1: cheesy. At finest. Yeah.
0: Um, two minutes left to go. Just so you guys know, there's two minutes left to go, but, um, okay. Good rebuttal. Tia, we're, I, I, I feel bad. That we torched your number one pick a little bit, because we have a great we have we have a we have a great list. And real quick, I want to recap that, guys. Um, so number ten for our our cho- our picks for um, our top ten underrated films uh, films. Jesus, <laughs>
1: top ten underrated <laughs> television shows.
0: Here we go. Number ten, Revenge. Number nine, Peaky Blinders. Number eight, The Killing. Number seven, The OA. Number six, American Gods. Number five, Mindhunter. Number four, Dollhouse. Number three, Banshee. Number two, Lethal Weapon. And number one, Zombie. Guys, this was a fantastic show. Ryan, thanks for joining us at the last minute. That was great. Um, oh, I think we lost Tia. Um, Tia's out. Uh, Want to say thank you to Tia. She did a fantastic job. Guys, check us out uh, next week uh, for our next Top 10 show. And I will see you guys next time.
1: Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Have a good day.